brother, CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. And we'd like everybody to remember today's episode is brought to you by Integrity Pro Consulting. Corey, you know what I love about Integrity Pro Consulting's methodologies? What's that, Duke? Is that they focus on OCM which is kissing cousins to project management, but it's not full on project management, right? My man, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like everybody misses that. Like you can have a project go from start to end, everything green, but you can deploy it into the public and they're like, what the heck is this? Like, I didn't ask for any of this. (laughs) And not only can you have that, you typically have that. Oh man, there you go. (laughs) Someone had to say it. Okay, well, that's what I love about Integrity Pro Consulting is that they look out for that. Like, okay, is the organization ready for this change? How fast can the organization change? What do we have to do to actually gain this mass acceptance? Because you're moving everybody's cheese. Absolutely. Right, and you can't just oh here everybody read a document if your vendor even documents. But <laughs> oh, it, <yeah. laughs> you can't just like sit everybody for down for an hour and say hey the process changed here's a new tool see ya call us when you're ready for an upgrade. So shout out to Integrity Pro Consulting thank you so much for the sponsorship. If you want to check them out link will be in the description below. All right Corey what are we talking about today? All right Duke man we're on architecture standards today that's what we're on about today. We're going to talk about what you should do, why you should do it, and how to make sure you're doing it. You know, and and, you know, at the end of the day, right? Like, I mean, you you gotta have some standards if you want to have success, right? Like, you know, the the main thing that will keep you from success is not having anything to measure and drive your success. So, you know, our standards here are going to give you a a good baseline. You know, it's like I always say, man, I've up my standards, so up yours. Standards, uh, that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All joking aside here, folks, like this separates the good architects from the great architects. And Indeed. if you're just, yeah, I mean, no matter where you're at in your service now career, if you're aspiring to be an architect, you want to listen to this episode, take serious notes, and start developing your own body of knowledge. Because nobody's got it all licked. Every architect just has their own kind of specializations and whatnot. And start building up your own body of knowledge so you can start adding to that in the future. Yeah, I mean, look, man, we, this is an ecosystem, right? And we all depend on each other at the end of the day. And that's one of the great things about ServiceNow and has one, always been one of the great things about ServiceNow is the great user community adding to that right. collective share of knowledge. And and if you tap into that, if you you know pull from that and then hopefully you add back to that, I mean, it just really creates success for everyone moving forward. Yeah. The other thing too is like, how do you know a best practice is a best practice? Because people have built these standards, right? They've logged like, this is a good idea. This is a terrible idea. This really worked. This didn't work. This worked in certain circumstances. And they all came together and wrote ITIL. (laughs) 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 Or something like that. Anyways, yeah. No, no. I mean, pretty, 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 (laughs) right? I mean, that's pretty on point, right? It's what, like I tell my kids, right? Learn from my failures so you don't have to, so you don't have to, uh, you know, do them, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's all standards are, right? Like it's a bunch of people who failed and got to the point where they found something at work and now they're passing it on. So. All right, man, you're up first. Absolutely. So uh, first we're going to talk about coding standards, right? First of all, do you even have coding standards? Like, uh, like, do you even lift bro? Right? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like you lift would understand this though. 
Absolutely. And people who don't live probably still understand it. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, right, there's going to be multiple people in your service now instance, right? It doesn't matter if you're a one-man shop right now, you won't be there forever and you won't be a one-man shop forever, right? And I don't know if anyone has ever worked on a ServiceNow instance in this time period, right? Where you're just a one-man shop. At this point, you know, you're going to hire professional services or you're going to get a team going or mm -hmm. you're going to leave and someone else is going to follow you. In any case, you need to start thinking about that code that you're going to leave behind, your coding legacy, right? That you're going to leave behind for others and hell, the coding legacy you're going to leave behind, leave behind for yourself too, right? Because, you know, in six months, I guarantee you, when you go back and look at some of your code that you thought was state of the art six months ago, you oh, <laughs> <dude>. yeah. <laughs> How many times? I remember this one time I built this, like, it was a workflow that called a workflow that would loop. It was like a looping internal workflow and it was like 500 lines of code all said and done and it worked the first try. <laughs> nice. I, but then I looked at it like I was so proud of myself and then two weeks later, I'm like looking at it, I'm like, whose code is this? <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. It's true. It comes back to bite you too. But like, so what would be good examples of coding standards? Yeah. So one of the things you want to make sure that you don't do, right? So you don't want to leave your log and your info statements in your code, right? So that's one of the easiest things that you can do is to, to eliminate is unnecessary log statements because it's going to be really hard to track down actual problems yeah. in, in, in production, right? When you go live, I have worked on systems. I'll try to be very neutral and anonymous about this. Uh -huh. I've worked on systems where I literally could not parse the logs because there were so many open log statements right into this thing. Like there were over a million log entries just in the previous 20 minutes. Yeah. I thought I had the good story. I had like oh, half a million by lunch. You're like, no, <laughs> like full no. on seven figures in 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes to seven figures. It was nuts. I went to tell the PM on, on the project. I was like, look, there's no debugging here. <laughs> like this, this thing is, it will just kind of keep throwing things against the wall and see what, see what works. I mean, that's just, like, that's an absurd pace. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, I mean, we just do the monkey math. We're dealing with a not insignificant number per millisecond. Right. <laughs> and yeah. So it's just one example. And clearly we can't, I mean, maybe we can get somebody on and we could talk this and just come up with example after example for a full episode. But. Oh, you absolutely could. Yeah. Once you start thinking about it and then start logging it into your standards document, your coding standards document, this stuff just like falls out of the sky. There are so many coding standards, like don't leave your info warns log statements open, comment them out before you go to prod. Don't make glide record calls from client scripts. Yeah. Big dummy, right? Or <laughs> let's let's talk about naming our variables correctly too, right? So that they're transparent and easy to read and also making sure they're in the right namespace. Like we don't want all these global variables kind of hanging out yeah. you know, and causing issues. Or yeah, like so. GR everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. Yeah, you're just asking for, for trouble uh, in, yeah. with GR everywhere, especially if you're not, you know, throwing those things inside of functions. Or variable <laughs> names that don't mean anything, right? Or yeah, yeah. I remember places that would went down to the detail about like how you format your comments in a script include, and yeah. you kind of laugh at that at first, but then you read somebody's script include, you're like, whew, yeah, that was easy." <laughs> Dude, I ran across the script include today. 
today and it, it was very well com commented. The problem is the comments were wrong. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> it was like this variable is going to control whether or not this script include would do an insert or an update. Right, and the variable's declared, it's got a value and everything, and that variable is not used anywhere in the freaking script. Yeah. Like, like, come on! <laughs> Anyways, y'all are out there in the field today. You're in such a profoundly awesome space. Like, I would give anything to go back in time, like 13 years when I just started, and write down everything that happened. Every hard lesson I learned about scripting, every hard lesson I learned about coding on ServiceNow, and just write it into a document that said, it's a bad idea to do glide record calls from client scripts. It, it's a good idea when I'm writing, you know, the fields that have an order, increment that by a thousand. Don't Absolutely. even fool around with this tens or ones nonsense. Like screw off with that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You gap it, man. Gotta gap yeah, it. Exactly. And just, you could have a library. You could publish a book today. Somebody out there has enough experience to write a book on this. Just scripting on ServiceNow. Dude, like you just took the idea right out of my head. I'm just sitting here thinking somebody should write a book on this. Like either, either you're building it for your own edification or somebody's going to come in after you or you're going to have a vendor come into your instance, right? Yeah, and absolutely. You don't want them just going willy-nilly on their own thing. You want them to obey your coding standards do you not well you know dude i kind of like it when my vendors come into my instance and just do whatever the hell they want to do <laughs> like leave, <laughs> no one leave vlog statements open right 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 <laughs> like, like call glide record from the client script <laughs> <laughs> seriously right like no one has ever 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 said that but no one has ever done anything about it you know i can count on one hand, probably a couple fingers, the number of times that I get on a new project and my client hands over a document on like, this is how we do things in our instance. Like it's happened a couple times, but man, like not nearly enough. Right. And, and it should, <laughs> it really should. Man, I was angling for my intro to the next topic, but I totally forgot what I was supposed to say about instant scan. <laughs> like the, the awesome thing about coding standards is that now as of quebec they got this thing called instant scan and you can think about it in terms okay like when i import an update set from dev to qa i can run an instant scan on qa to see if anything created open log statements or see if anything called glide record from client scripts you can define these things but even before you send to the next instance, you can like right then and there on the save of a business rule, check that business rule for open log statements, and then log an entry in the findings of the instance scan. Basically, you can have as many people as you want work in the system. You'd be like, hey, <laughs> like eight o'clock the next morning. Hey, what's the deal with these open log statements, fool? <laughs> <laughs> Instant scan, if you want to have architecture in your future, like get your skill up on instant scan because this will be able to automate all the stuff that you are going to document right now. So that's that's a great point. I haven't actually had um, the opportunity to use instant scan out in a while, but I am definitely looking forward to playing with it. I mean, it sounds like it could probably save me some time if I actually just set this set instant scan up to, to monitor my my own self while I'm on a client. Right. And just right. to make sure I'm not making mistakes so I don't have to go back at the, uh, you know, towards the end of the, of the project towards go live and catch everything that I that I missed. 
Instant scan is basically free money. It is such a risk hedge against garbage practices. And not only does ServiceNow have like hundreds of these things already canned in the system, but the community has been building a library of their own stuff since like Paris. And I'll try and scrounge up a couple links that I can put in the description below, but keep your eyes out. Mark Ruthoff talks about this a ton. It is amazing. It is truly the future of ServiceNow. Like this is exquisite. It's an exquisite tool. Whoever built that at ServiceNow, like give that person a cookie, man. <laughs> is a sweet tool. Anyway. Nice. Okay, so now imagine you've gone through the effort of building yourself a coding standard and like you're either helping yourself or you're helping people who will replace you or you have vendors that come in, right? And step one is you tell the vendors you will obey our coding standards. Now, step one in what? Step one in your vendor interaction standards. Absolutely. You got to have like of late, I'm not saying I did this all my 13 years. I'm so awesome. (laughs) In the last three years, I'd say I learned that there's going to be vendors in the instance and they don't know everything, right? Oh, do you know what I mean? They don't know everything. (laughs) You could have somebody come in. They're like, we're super expert at ITBM. Yeah, that's great. But we have other stuff on here that we have to maintain. Yes. You can't just come in here willy nilly and just like, right. fucking like that fucking vendor out there the itbm vendor that's like with a 1200 line update set project quote-unquote accelerator (sighs) sorry i had to mention that (laughs) (laughs) but it's like one line in your vendor standards could be you do not deploy undocumented accelerators period done oh you want to deploy it oh everybody agreed to deploy it no 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 that's fine you just document it <laughs> and you tell us all the things you're changing man and you see you, how fast their tune changes when they've got 1200 updates absolutely and I, I you know honestly i might even have a step before that is that you will deploy this to a non-production non-in-use environment first and walk me through what the hell it's doing yeah, <laughs> look, if you're gonna do 1200 updates in an update say so you are deploying that shit anywhere Right? <laughs> Until you tell me what's going on in there. Seriously. Right? You got Seriously. like, hey, let's just deploy project management. You got 1,200 update sets with, with like nobody's asked for anything yet? Accelerator my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, anyway. that, like, like, no, dude, I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? Like, you know, we're just coming, just walking in the door. Like, can you imagine? This is like old school. We're just walking in the door, doody, doody, do, and pull out a freaking floppy disk, right? Like, with, all, with the entire, like, ServiceNow thing on it. And it's like, here you go. Like, what yeah. the? F- <laughs> like, seriously, like, come on. <laughs> like, there's nothing 1200 updates can get you without requirements. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah and it's all like oh it's all our collective experience about like but still like there's there's so much variation of experience instance to instance don't ever oh we're totally going on a tangent but it speaks to the vendor standards right especially you folks who aren't consultants you yeah. folks that are in charge of the instances where vendors are coming in don't let them call the shots right Bro, hold like, me accountable <laughs> exactly like it's like there's some fantastic vendors out there don't get me wrong but at the end of the day if everything screws up like you're the one who's going to be hanging from a tree like not Seriously. the vendor right they're just going to walk away and just like thanks for the money sorry it didn't work out you know so exactly <laughs> 
I mean, at some point I leave, right? Like, you know, yeah. as as a third party in your instance, at some point I leave and you are stuck with whatever I did. So, man, hold me accountable and make sure that I'm giving you what you need and what you want and what you ask for. And as a matter of fact, think about all of that crap before I even get there so you can give it to me when I get there. Yeah. So, we don't have, so you don't have to pay me to walk you through how to create it. For those of you who aren't consultants, just think about the things you want your vendors to know beforehand. So we just talked about coding standards. Put your coding standards as step one in the vendor standards. Right. right? Talk about how you do update sets. Talk about how you do clone downs. How you do They are in your house. It's not the opposite. They are in your house. Like there's rules to this. Make sure that they're obeying the rules of your house, right? I mean, is, is this the 10 clone commandments? The 10 clone commandments. <laughs> it's not just, it's not cloning. It's everything. It's literally everything. It's like, how do we name our update sets? Who's got to review what update sets? Are there any, like, do you have to go to the change management ceremony or are we going to do it for you? It's just, you can't get dumb enough. The more explicitly you put all this stuff, the better the relationship will be. And the safer the long-term viability of your instance will be. Dude, this is a fucking product, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, seriously, I'm just sitting here thinking nobody's, nobody's going to do this. Everyone should do this, but nobody's going to do this. This is like a fucking engagement. Somebody needs to show up and do this for people so they can then do it for the vendors to come in afterwards. Right? Yeah, I think like a like a vendor agnostic freelance architect would do that. Wouldn't yeah, it sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like something <laughs> a quiver, you know, an arrow in the quiver. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Maybe I might take a crack at this, actually. I mean, as we talk through it, it's absolutely needed. And like I said, less than five clients in my entire history of freelance consulting here in ServiceNow has ever handed me one of these documents and said, this is how we do things. Yep. I, I'm seeing it more often and I'm encouraged by it, but I feel like I'm really leading it. I remember like one client I was at and I was a vendor agnostic freelance architect before I started with VivaCharts, right? And Vendors would come in and I'm like, here's how I expect you to behave. And then they're like, they didn't behave that way. I'm like, hey, listen, like, who the hell do you think you're talking to here? Right. (laughs) This is my zone. Oh, you want to move that update set? Fuck you. (laughs) Like that update set's going nowhere. Right. Okay. Now let's talk again about our, about our standards. Exactly. How about you not have admin until we get to some crooked shit straight around here? How about that? (laughs) Yeah. And again, like I, I feel like we say this every episode. We're not pooping on the vendors. There's lots of awesome vendors and you got to respect vendors. They've got a lot more field experience. So maybe they can teach you a thing or two about the standards. you. Oh, absolutely. But again, who's going to hang from the tree if it all just goes south? You are. So make sure that you get the vendor standards worked out. Okay. So like we've talked about coding standards and vendor standards, but I think now we're just going to talk about you put those standards in documentation and anybody who knows me knows i'm like super hyper passionate about this and so as you build solutions the next thing the next standard you should have is a documentation standard (laughs) like here's where we document things what things we include in the document and why you hear, you hear that, guys at home? This is me right now cracking open the beer and and getting ready for an epic Duke rant. Go ahead, Duke. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it just... Okay. 
I was at this customer and we had that ITBM vendor, the one with the 1200 line accelerator, right? And I had just got on site. I had just started my services engagement and they're like, hey, like, can you just look at this ITBM thing? Cause training's just about to start. And the stakeholders are kind of like, yeah, about it. Okay. And I kind of like, I go to the vendor and I'm like, okay, can you just roll me through what you did? And it's got, oh, it's the most custom thing we've ever done. It's just amazing. I'm like, okay, well, just like roll me through what you did. And they're just like, oh, it's all in the stories. <laughs> like it's in the, like there's a, there's 150 stories and you dig a little deeper. Those stories are like novels. These are like three or four paragraphs per story times 150 stories. Like, no, 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 no. Listen, guys, there's a bunch of stuff that you changed because this is the most custom thing you ever did. Like, just give me the high level stuff. It was the best of times. It was and it's like, dude, like for a week, I pounded on these people and they could tell me literally nothing. Oh, just like things here and there. I'm like, <sighs> I hate to say it this way, but people lost political clout about this. Ouch. Right? The dude who owns ServiceNow was married to the lady who was implementing. Oh, no. The, you know, I'm talking to the owner of ServiceNow, and I'm like, guy, this has gone so far south. So I'm basically telling this dude between the lines, and I'm not even saying, like, his wife's at fault, but under her watch, this craziness happened. It's just, oh. you, you know what I mean? It's like. That's yeah, a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> But the vendors are just like, again, they get to disengage. They get to yeah. take the money and just go. Yeah, absolutely. But, the, but, but when they leave up a fucked up instance with no documentation, like who pays for that? The person who is the steward of that whole thing. Here's the thing. Document your solutions. And it doesn't have to be like every single line of code. Oh, I'll give you a great example. I did an ITPM implementation a few years back. And it was prior to time cards getting the time card days functionality. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and the customer was just say like, hey, listen, like all of the people who work our projects are contractors and we've got to figure out if their monthly billing is correct. Their what? Their monthly billing. Oh, how do you determine what a month is? Days between the first of the month and the 31st of the month. But what, huh. did, time, what did time cards show you back in 1912? <laughs> you know only like monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday that is true yes right and most months basically break up a week in half like yeah. this week, thursday is the first of next month so there is no there is no solution for it yep so we're gonna bite the billet we are going to build something custom because you need this now. You don't need this when service now comes along to it. You need it now. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like, we'll bite the bullet. But when biting the bullet, I documented it. I put it in a document. It's like, time card days doesn't exist. So we had to build this solution so that we could facilitate billing reconciliation process, which was hey, super hyper important. Right? Yeah, it's, it's money, man. It's definitely, it's definitely important. Yeah, and it's like everybody's like, oh, it's so hard. Oh, my God. I need to write stuff in Microsoft Word. <laughs> uh -huh. but, but I did all the whole documentation, less than 5% of the entire project scope. Right. And what happened when Time Card Days came out? I got to call the customer <laughs> <laughs> and say, hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, I just wanted to let you know that this is out of the box now. And so we can talk about taking you back to out of the box. 
and eliminating tech debt from this. Dude, that is so key right there. I think you got to dive in a little bit on that one because I I don't know if the folks at home right are getting the importance of what you just said. Yeah, like imagine being the dumbass who gets to go to the sales team and says, "Uh, we don't have a good reason to call the customer about new stuff that we know is is important to them because we never documented it. And we don't really know anymore the stuff we did that could be come back and revisited. Sales reps will go to ungodly lengths, ungodly lengths for a reason, a legit, legit reason to call the customer back and say, hey, how's he going? Let me provide more value to you is your model, right? Provide the value. And if you document everything, the sales rep could just let go of the document compared to the release notes to the next version. Documentation does more for you than it does for your customer. We totally went down a tangent. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, anyways, yeah, like we're, anyways, we're, we're, like as, as a, as a ServiceNow owner, put a documentation standard in place and make it part of your scopes. I'm going to go a little more on the tangent, right? Not on this tangent, but you, you mentioned as a ServiceNow owner, right? And then you also said at, at some point, a good steward. You know, I'm, I'm a geek, right? I'm a big fan of, of Lord of the Rings. I think about Aragon and how he united the kingdoms and blah, 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 right? It became mm-hmm. like the one and one and true king. And then I think about the steward of Gondor. How, Denethor, you know, yeah. Denethor, yeah. And how mm-hmm. he ran off the other, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> so my point here is, right? Like you got one person, right? Who succumbed to all the excesses of running a kingdom that was not theirs and 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 as a result it kind of crashed and burned around them and you got another person who took on that responsibility of ownership and and as a result saved the world and united the kingdoms of man right so you when you're thinking about whether or not you need these standards and in the instance that you own think about whether or not you are owning this thing and you're taking responsibility for it or if you're just a warm body that's keeping the seat warm for the next person right you don't yeah but Love it. I love it. Yeah. Are you the king or are you the steward, right? Exactly. Yeah. Be the king. You got to be the king, man. You got to own this thing and you got to do these, you got to do these steps because it's going to come back to bite you. So, you know, yeah. moving on to the next part of this, right? We, we talked about mm-hmm. coding standards. We've talked about vendor interaction standards. We've talked about documentation. But what we have not talked about is things like, do you have a instance migration policy, for example, mm. right? Like, how do you name your update sets, right? How do you move your update sets? Do you merge them? Do you batch them? Do you oh, do yeah. neither one? And that's right? pretty, that's pretty controversial too, right? <laughs> There's some people who will be like, Mm-mm, no, you don't merge. You always batch or yeah. maybe it's the other way around. But you know I, I, I mean? always batch, but you know, I know yeah. some folks who, who merge and you know, I mean, as long as you know what you're doing, right? And you got to document it the way you do it. I guess it works how it works for you, right? But the key is, is to have it documented and to know what you're going to do and make sure that that's socialized to everyone who's going to be doing it in your instance. That's right. Imagine being a pharmaceutical where you got to deal with like validated instances and all this kind of crap, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like a normal, a normal run-of-the-mill vendor will have zero, zero idea about what to do in those circumstances. Right. Right. And it's up to you to say, okay, listen, hold on. Like we don't go from dev to test to prod. We go to dev to test and to staging simultaneously because one's to test the functionality of the code. The other one is to test, does the update package work? Right. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of different ways it can go down. It's not as simple. I mean, shoot, we always think, oh, you go from dev to test to prod, right? Yeah. Right? 
I mean, ServiceNow's official stance is you go from dev to test and from dev to prod. How many people knew that? That's the official stance. (laughs) Wait, they got an official stance? That's the official quote unquote best practice is you go from dev to test and that could expose new things that you have to put in new updates to whatever and then you move that to prod. That's the official stance. You can look it up on docs. So this is how not solid it is. So Today I learned. Yeah. So you figure out what works best and talk to the community at large. Like go on SN devs and you can get a hundred of the best opinions in the universe. And yeah, form no an doubt. aggregate based off that. And then come up with your own policy. And then when vendor rolls in, oh, we're gonna we're here with our twelve hundred thing update set. <laughs> you just be like, nah. <laughs> no dog i'm good <laughs> yeah. then, okay so you got instance migration then you got clone down policies right like, oh man yeah hey nothing burns like you got exactly half of the stuff done this week and then you come in on monday and nothing's there why because they cloned down and never told you <laughs> let me tell you dude oh my god dude so you've been burned on that one eh, brother <laughs> not long ago man not long ago at all like one of my clients, huge client, right? They got a lot of stuff going on. They decided they were going to clone down. I'm on a, a very insignificant project in, in this grand scope of everything going on in their instances, right? And they come in and they give us like two hour notice. Hey, we're cloning down and get your stuff. Yeah, and it's like, okay. Um, you know, and as it turns out, you know, because of the lack of notice and the lack of uh, time that we had to get everything out, we missed a few XML updates and things of that nature, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, we come in post clone and, you know, now we got to recreate stuff. Cost us a week worth or weeks worth of work. And more specifically, it cost them a week's worth of money. <laughs> yeah. And so this is this is one of those things where like we talked a lot about, oh, the vendor can screw you. Be careful. This is an area you can like screw the vendor. Absolutely. I tell I tell all my clients now, look, when there's multiple vendors in the instance at the same time and you start thinking about clone, ask all of them where they are in their development process. If anyone tells you they're in the home stretch, stop cloning. Stop. Just stop the whole conversation around yeah. cloning wait until they get live, get everything up in production, and then you want to clone down, right? Yo, but you don't you don't want to clone in the home stretch, man. You do not want to inject additional time when folks are just about to go live. Yeah. And it's just like, but, 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 yeah, like nobody's saying this is easy, right? 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 There's always stuff going on, but that only gets cured by a clarity of policy. You yes. know what I mean? Like it doesn't get cured by, well, I guess we'll just kick the can down the road some more. No, establish a policy. And then you could be like, hey, listen, everybody knows we clone down at the end of every month. So if you're working and it's the 23rd of the month, maybe kind of think about putting that all in an update set and like, taking it out. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Take it out of exactly. the system and then like putting it back in when we're done. It also teaches, you know, the folks who are building inside your instances too, gives them good development hygiene in terms of what they need to do to maintain their work moving forward, right? So if they know that they are on like a a four-week clone cycle, they know that they're on a three-week dev cycle, right? Like we're going to build for three weeks. We're going to spend a week making sure that all this stuff can be reinstalled after the clone, right? And it gets to the point, right, where it doesn't take a week, but at the beginning, it'll probably take about a a few days out of a week anyway to make sure that you're not missing anything and you're kind of getting the process down, right? But but at least they know up front, right? So, you know, there's no excuse that on the Friday before the Saturday clone, they're trying to export everything out to to update sets and make sure everything's, well, you know, you know the deal, so. Yeah. (laughs) All right, rapid fire.
fire here because we're like 36 minutes in and we still got a bunch to talk about. So rapid fire here. Another right. architecture Another standard. Another one. Yeah, you should start thinking about is a design standard. Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't want to be like super heavy handed with this, but you might say like, hey, listen, try and limit your catalog items to 10 questions. Dude. Right? Or, Dude. you know what I mean? Or just like, make sure that your catalog item like shows up nicely on the service portal or run your design past the people who are going to be using the form. These are like design standards. Oh, also, how do we know when this process is successful? Design oh. standards mean like, you know, do we have to build any PA components off of this? Do we have to build reports off of this to make sure that, hey, this process is running great. Is it doing what we want it to do? Man, Design let me tell you, standards. you know, building an order guide for a client, right? And they want us to put it in the, in the portal. You know, they've got a custom portal bought by another, that another vendor developed. It, they've got like literally like five widgets that render the, um, the order guide. We don't know which one we're supposed to be using here, right? We don't mm -hmm. know which page we're supposed to be, you know, embed, you know, and so like, give, tell me like what page you're using to render your items in your, in your service portal oh. so that I can test it to make sure that I'm not looking at the out of the box page and, and, and my code inside of that versus, you know, the, the customized page that's actually rendering the order guide in a, a more specific way that I didn't, I, I now didn't test. And oh, by the way, now there's like seven errors on it that pop up. Oh man, watch True me story. bust the watch me bust the glass on the back of this net from that layup, buddy. Because <laughs> <laughs> an ingress document, you, people don't know how important this is. Imagine, okay, walk into an instance that's ten years old, like five years old, even five years old, yeah. five year old instance. You're yeah. the new architect. Congratulations. Here's your big shiny badge, and it's like, okay, well, we got a bunch of integrations. How many integrations do you have? Who owns the catalog items that are out there? Oh man. How many ways are there to create an incident? How many processes run on this system? And it's just like your answer to every one of those, like today, 42. is the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe like roll a dice, right? Like Russian roulette. But it's so easy just to have a, an ex, even an Excel document that just says this catalog item is owned by Bob, right? And he no, knows the start no. of this process. No, dude, this no, we're not, we're not advertising Excel on this podcast. Take it back. For sure. No, I like, <laughs> until I build my, until I build my share app on this, Excel's got to have to do, I like, it's just, I, I'd rather something than nothing, right? Yeah, true. I'd rather something that just says like, imagine you walk into your new job and somebody left you like the whole emergency box. Yeah. With, with three envelopes. The, yeah. With all the codes in it. Yep. And in that box was, here's the ingress document. Here's every catalog item and their owner. Here's every integration and the types of records that they start. Here's every inbound email action that we ingest and how it does its thing and who owns those. And now you basically have every front door into the app. You have the starting point, the catalyst of every process on your instance. Or if you like, you can just discover it the hard way. <laughs> So like everybody start thinking about ingress, like imagine leaving somebody without an ingress document. The next person who comes in has to discover everything anybody has asked for ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that, we're talking, we're, re, we're, we're rebooting. I mean, it's a, yep. like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way you're going to know. There's no way, like some of those integrations are so hidden, you're never going to find them until they break. And then you don't know who to call. And, yep. oh God, like you just, you just don't want to do that. Save yourself the trouble. Like yeah, build, build, build an ingress document. Maybe totally we got to have an episode on that. 
Um, we absolutely should. Should. All right, rapid and, fire. And another one. Mid <laughs> mid server deployment standards. Like everybody knows, we can build multiple mid servers, but why? Yeah, this one actually doesn't come up often enough. I feel like it comes up pretty often in discovery projects. But mm -hmm. if you're not doing a discovery project, I don't feel like many people take mid-server hygienes uh, seriously, right? Yes. And, and it's it's extremely important because if you have some, if your ServiceNow environment is in production and it requires a mid-server, then it requires mid-server standards. Like it requires some architecture. It requires you know some thought around how to ensure that the thing that the mid-server is supporting continues to work in the event of a failure. This is now IT, right? This is now IT infrastructure. You got to treat it like it's IT infrastructure, right? Like if you've got a Windows server that is mission critical in your data center and a business is going to like lose time or productivity if it goes down, you typically have a backup or at least some sort of plan for what happens if it goes down. You got to yeah. treat your mid-service the same way. Yeah, or just like, why do I want another one? In what circumstances is it be is it beneficial to have another mid server, right? And, oh, yeah, we I mean, Mark Scott on this call and failover. What do you want to call it? A uh, scalability, or like right? compartmentalizing like, certain scripts that are going to interact yeah. with your environment, but making it on one mid server, so you're kind of like reducing the scale of exposure there. Yeah, yeah. that too. Let's I get mean, Mark and, Scott and then, on here and talk mid servers, man, or Mike Barr, man, or both of them at the same time. Oh, nice. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right, you have the last one, buddy. To paraphrase Biggie Smalls, rule number 10 should have been rule number one, right? Have a roadmap. You got to have an idea of where you're going with your ServiceNow instance, right? Like, there's just no excuse, right? Like, be a professional, know what the plan is, and, and execute towards the plan. Even if you're not 100% in, in compliance with the plan, at least be moving in the same direction that the line on the plan is moving. Maybe you're a couple of blocks away, whatever, but you, you need this roadmap, right? And, and if, if you're hiring vendors to come into your instance, especially multiple vendors at once, and you don't have a roadmap for plotting out the direction of your instance, then what's going to happen is a clusterfuck, yeah. right? <laughs> you, know, you need to be able to tell people, okay, this is the priority of the things that we have going on. And so if it comes down to a contention, you need to, you, you're going to have to sit down for a couple of weeks while we get this thing live. You can go next and then you can go now. And, and even all of that, you just want to know where you're going to be six months from now. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's really important. You know, my story, right? Like I never wanted to be me versus the stakeholder. I wanted to be stakeholder versus the business. Right. Right. So it's like, they come to me, it's like, oh, I need this thing. It's like, yep. I go, oh, I totally sympathize. Yeah. That's a really <laughs> awesome idea. The thing is the business has decided that whatever this yes. thing has a priority. So your beef isn't with me, <laughs> you know, your beef is with the council that right. advises on the ServiceNow roadmap. There's like literally no negative to, to doing this. No matter where you are in the organization, like do your part to start building in a roadmap, even if it's within a certain scope, like maybe you're only the QA person, right? But right. build a roadmap for QA. Yeah. Right. And I've... this is where like people are attracted to somebody who can stick their head up for like two seconds and say, yeah, okay. Like this is what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> people are attracted to that because most of the time their heads down just like trying to slog through their day 
And this and do and that's why you have architects and you have developers and and you have you know BAs and you have QA. That's why you have all these other these these different you know positions where so somebody right somebody somewhere in the day should have enough time to stick their head up and look at the map the roadmap and mm-hmm. say this is where we are and this is where we're going and oh my god we're in the freaking ocean and we gotta get we gotta bail out. That's right. right. There's no right or wrong answers to what's on the roadmap. Only you're going to know that where you're at. Right. Oh, and actually, like, here's another thing. If you're a consultant and it's like you came in to do ITBM or whatever, and you know a thing or two about a thing or two else, like, feel free to, like, tell your customer you might want to consider. Like, there's no downside to that Mm -hmm. at all either. Right. Where was I going with this? I mean, it, there's it, just it, no downside. <laughs> you know, I just think at the end of the day, right? Like your customer doesn't always know what they don't know. That's why they hire you, right? right? This is kind of harkens back to one of our previous episodes, but you know, they hire you for not only your expertise, but your experience and, and the cumulative value of all of that. So they're not just hiring you to do the things that they're asking you, you to do, right? They're hiring you because of all the things that they don't know that they assume yeah. you do. Cover all their blind spots, right? Absolutely. And, all right, cool. And, 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 and what, what, hold on, hold on, because okay. got one more. No, got do one, it, do it, do it. Yeah, step all over me. Just walk all over me. <laughs> do it. But you're speaking to the folks out here who are, who are indies in this thing, right? Ultimately, this is a business, right? So you should always be selling, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all of these things that we mentioned, these are things that you can sell to your existing customers. And it's a lot cheaper to sell to an existing customer than it is to get a new one. So tell oh, your yeah. existing customer all the things things that they're missing and then tell them how you can build it for them. That's right. That's what this episode is. Even if you can't build it too, you might know the person who can build it and guess who's going to get rewarded for bringing that person in. Amen. All right, cool. Oh, longest episode ever, but <laughs> okay, just a quick recap. We talked about having a library of coding standards. Anybody anywhere in the ServiceNow ecosystem can start this today. And I guarantee you a year from now, you'll be better off for it. Then we talked about vendor interaction standards, especially for you people who are the customer. This is something you can start building today. No matter how small it is, you will be better for it. Your first vendor interaction. Then we talked about various other types of documents. We talked about ingress documents. We talked about having vendors document to a certain standard. We talked about other general architecture standards, instance migration policies, clone down policies, upgrade policies, design standards. How do you know when it's successful or not? What should the UX be? We talked about mid-server deployment standards. And we talked about roadmaps. Oh, we also talked about instance scan in there, which is the super, super secret sauce of Quebec. So anyways, like, look at all that place to grow. Like, (laughs) look at all the place you can grow. Like, everybody should be aiming for architect after this episode. This is my favorite episode. Dude, like I know we t- and we we talked a lot about like you know how this is like the architect standards episode or whatever. But to yeah. me, this is more like professionalizing your service now program, right? That's right. Like, this is for real, man. Like seriously, <laughs> yeah. Don't be on the losing team. Like get this stuff cleaned up, man. I mean, it, it's more. Look, I know we're. I know a lot of us are geeks, right? We're yeah. we're all like into the tech. We all love this all this stuff, right? But like you got to put some, you got to wrap a bow around it, right? For the business. Yeah. Hey, listen, it's just, this is the thing that I don't get between developers and somebody who's designing, like a mechanical engineer who's designing an assembly line, right? And I know they're not like, we're not building the same kinds of solutions, 
but like just look at a technical document for a machine it's like exactly. precise in ways that we haven't even considered on our best day <laughs> you know and it's just like hey listen i'll be dust in the earth and my grandchildren's grandchildren will have forgotten my name but we will know how to repair this xerox machine Dude, seriously, <laughs> you know what I mean? right? We will know exactly where to source the materials to build another one so we can keep on printing. But you only grow from this. The ability to see it from this perspective and build these standards out, no matter how small the library is right now, if you start now, you will be a 100% better architect within a year. I guarantee it. Absolutely. Okay, we are totally, this is like the longest episode ever. So I'm going <laughs> to wrap it up. Thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Integrity Pro Consulting for sponsoring this episode. Hey, listen, if you're tired of the same old, same old implementations and you want somebody who will make sure that the project is getting done alongside your organization's ability to ingest change, give IPC a call to figure out what they're all about. They are the sponsors of this episode. Thank you for that. And man, that's it. I guess we'll see you next time. Always a pleasure, dude. All right. Pleasure was mine, buddy. This is my favorite episode yet. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you later.